0: Well, good morning once again, everybody, and uh, once again, welcome to all of you that that are watching online with us this morning. Um, uh, Let me mention a couple of things, other things by way of announcement, just real quick. Don't forget our Christmas Eve services. We're going to be doing two services this year, uh, one at 4 p.m. and then another at 5.30 p.m about 45 minutes long, again, 4, uh, 4, 4 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. So I hope that you'll uh, make plans uh, to be to join us on that uh, particular occasion. It's going to be a very special evening. We'll be observing all the same protocols and that sort of thing, but we look forward to, to being able to see you and, and, and share that time together with you then. Uh, also, don't forget that we're in the process of our, our one of our Christmas projects is the Hope Tree Project, in which we are blessing the ladies that are part of the Inside Out re- entry services and their families uh, with gift cards from Walmart. Uh, The Hope Tree is is out in the lobby. You can uh, uh, either go to the Hope Tree and get a a particular denomination, $10, $25, $100, and go and get a a gift card at Walmart and then turn that in to us by next Sunday, the 13th. My next Sunday, December 13th. So we appreciate uh, very, very much your help with that process. Well, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 this morning, and um, as a begin, i I begin, I have a, a confession to make, um, um, is, if I did my math correctly, and, and that's always debatable on my part um, the way I figured, this is my 34th year to get to preach through the Christmas season, through Advent. 34th year. Well that's not my confession. My confession is this. And that is that, that every time I realize that this time is about to roll around again, I start to go into a little bit of a, a time of anxiety and panic, thinking, what in the world am I going to preach on this year? <laughs> what am I going to preach on? Is, is, there, is there some um, uh, new angle that I could take? Is there some nuance? Is there something I could do, that you know, some different approach of some kind? And, and then something amazing starts to happen. These old, old stories, this Christmas story that's over 2,000 years old, starts to come alive again for me. It starts to be made afresh again. Now, uh, there's no secret how that happens. That's made possible by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to make these stories come alive. And and that's my prayer for all of us. And some of you have heard these stories from the time that you were in diapers. And my prayer is, is that His Holy Spirit will make these stories come alive, make the Christmas story come alive for all of us this year in a very, very fresh way. To inspire, to instruct, to prompt us to share these same stories with others around us as well. And so what I'd like for you to do is to take just a moment of silent prayer. And and please join us, uh, those of you that are watching at home as well. uh, A moment of silent prayer, just simply to ask the Holy Spirit to do that very thing for you during this Christmas season, to ask him to make these stories fresh, to bring them, to make them come alive in a way that perhaps they never have even before during your lifetime. So let's spend a moment just in silent prayer. You ask God that, and then I'll conclude this time, that time of prayer together. Let's pray together. And now, Lord, we ask that you would make this story come alive in our hearts today. Amen. So join with me in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly. A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Right out of the hopper, God makes it absolutely clear that all people, all people matter to him. All people matter to know Think about this. Who is it the angels went to to make this incredible announcement? Who did God send the angels to? He sent them to the shepherds, to shepherds. They didn't go to the national leaders. They didn't even go to local leaders. They didn't go to those who were you know, extra spiritual, those that maybe had spent two hours in devotional and quiet time on that morning. He didn't send them to the influential. He didn't send them to the morally qualified. No. He sent them to the, those who were the least significant the least respected the least likely people in the entire community to bring a message like this too he sent them to those who were broken hopeless helpless to shepherds who were out living in the fields shepherds now in jesus day shepherds were at the very bottom of the social structure bottom. Their character was not highly highly regarded, to say the least. One commentator writes, shepherds tended to be socially inept, hygienically challenged, and culturally repulsive. (laughs) In fact, they were thought so little of that their testimony was not even allowed in a court of law. You know, we have a saying in our day, you know, he cusses like a sailor. They had a saying in their day, he lies like a shepherd. (laughs) I mean, that's the way it was. Anyone Anyone who thinks that God does not like them because of who they are or what they have done, this is proof positive to the contrary. And actually, God sending these angels to shepherds is really a foreshadowing of the ministry of Jesus, the one whose birth they are now. The angels announce, for example, Mark chapter two, 15, beginning beginning verse fifteen, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house. Now the religious the religious leaders how did Jesus about this throughout his entire ministry? The fact that he would sit down with tax collectors and sinners and count them and consider them to be friends. I mean, they hated tax collectors. Tax collectors were those who collected taxes for the Romans, the the the, the country the, the empire that oppressed the Jewish people, and they ripped the people off in the same process. They despised those they referred to as sinners, either because of their immoral lifestyle or the fact that they were not abiding by the religious laws that they thought they should keep all the time and they, they, again they, they consider these people religiously unclean and yet here's jesus having dinner with them which again is something not just this occasion but something he did all the time now part of what we have to understand here is what dinner was like in that culture you know, it, it's not like we do dinner today. It was not something that you just kind of sit down and rush through and finish eating so you can you know, go off and watch the TV or, or the game or play video games, or whatever the case might be. Dinners were an event. They would not take place over just a few minutes. They took place over a few hours. Lots of good food, even better conversation that took place. The, the dinners provided time not only to form relationships, but also to deepen those relationships a while back our family tried to have a dinner like that i made reservations uh, for us to go and celebrate my wife julie and our youngest daughter rachel who share the same day as a birthday uh at a restaurant so we we went to one of those hibachi style uh, places we we'd never been to before, and and we, we were we were having a wonderful time, you know, gathered around the table. It was a great food, you know, or, or, or kind of great food. We, we, enjoyed, we enjoyed watching. You know, had a good time, fun watching the chef, and you know, great great conversation around the table. And you know, we we finished you know we finished up our food. I paid the bill, and and we were just it really settled in and again, enjoying wonderful conversation around the table. When all of a sudden. The manager comes walking up and says, I'm sorry, but you have to leave. I thought, well, what did we do? <laughs> he said, There are people waiting for your table, you have to leave. And I- <laughs> was absolutely livid. I mean, when I called to make an, uh, a reservation, nothing was said about it. any time limits on the table. I mean, as we were walking out, walking through the lobby on the way, about, on the way out of the restaurant to the car, I, I, I was so tempted to turn around to all the people that were waiting there in the lobby and just tell them, hey, listen, be, be, heads up, you don't have more than one hour to sit down and enjoy your meal, so you better eat fast because you'll be kicked out of here if you don't. <laughs> and the food's not that good anyway. <laughs> But Julie was tugging on my arm, and I thought, well, you know, I am a pastor after all. So, um, so I didn't do that. <laughs> but again, I, I I was sensitive to the fact I waited tables for a couple of years, so I was sensitive to the fact that, you know, we don't want to linger too long, but I figured more than an hour was okay. Well, Jesus had dinners with tax collectors and sinners on multiple occasions and for multiple hours, multiple hours. And it again, it drove the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, those who were the moral and religious elite, absolutely crazy. Again, they, this is one of the major criticisms of Jesus that they made of him all throughout his entire earthly ministry. Jesus was and is a friend of sinners. And I, for one, am so glad that he is. Otherwise, I would be up a creek and in deep, big time. Jesus showed people all the time, all the time, what it meant to be in relationships where he was able to engage and draw people away from what was empty and false and bring them toward what was true. Jesus didn't just teach it. He lived it. He demonstrated it with with what this good news of great joy was all about for all people. In other words, Christmas, Christmas is the celebration of God putting on human flesh to come and live among us and offer his friendship to all of us in spite of our sin. John three seventeen says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Again, Jesus is our example. Instead of building barriers or shrink-wrapping our lives in such a way that we only allow Christians under the wrapping, you know, his, his example, his encouragement to us is, again, is instead to build bridges, is to open our lives to others, is to open our, even our dining tables To others, to those who don't know him yet. Well, look at Luke chapter 2, again, verse 9. Once again, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I mean, the, the shepherds desperately needed to hear that because the only th- instance that they had ever heard about from the Old Testament about the appearance of angels was either to declare judgment or to execute judgment, and they did not want to be executed. I bring you good news, the angel declared, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David has been born, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Now, can you just uh, imagine this scene from the perspective of heaven? I mean, here God chooses this one angel to send to the shepherds probably gabriel you know gabriel was the same one that announced it to mary and and so on and so forth and 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 also to to zechariah but um uh so he sends this one angel to to deliver this amazing incredible news so it just can you just imagine all the other angels are gathered around and they're just begging pleading with god god please 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 let us go let us go too and so god says well why not and Boom! I mean, the sky just explodes. And it says, suddenly, a great company, in other words, more than could be possibly counted, of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest heaven. What the angels are doing are declaring that this good news of the birth of Christ, what this good news of the birth of Christ means for God the Father. Because because of what is about to happen, because of who this baby is, as people respond to his message in their lives, they will be offering their praise to God. They'll be saying things like, My life is such a mess. And yet you took my mess and you gave me a purpose instead. God, I I thank you. I glorify you. I praise you. I was wandering and lost and all alone. I, I was rejected by everyone, even those that I once loved and trusted. But you, Lord, found me. You accepted me. I praise you, Lord. I give you glory. I was living my life in fear. Fearful of all those around me. Fearful of the future, totally paralyzed in the present. But because of Jesus, the son that you sent, I was released from my fear. So now I can move forward in faith. God, I praise you. You are amazing. Now, I have absolutely no doubt that as, as you as you think about the love of God, about how the love of God has been given to you through Jesus Christ, that every one of us would have a praise for him. Would we not? In fact, what I'd like to do is, is take just a moment right now, just a moment, and th- ask you to think about what the gift of God's love has meant to you in your life. What has that meant to you? And as it comes to mind, offer him a word of praise. Now, if you're watching online, what I want to invite you to do is to, in the comments section of whatever media that you're using, to write some of your words of praise to God. That would mean a whole lot to us. Otherwise, for those of you that are here in the room this morning, what I want to do is is to open it up to you for just a few moments to verbally share with us your words of praise, your words of praise. similar to the to the examples that I read just a moment ago, so I invite you and I, not a whole lot of us in here, but if you'll speak up, I think you know, others can hear you to just again out loud share just a simple statement of testimony and praise to god who who'll be first to do that this morning Thankful. Thankful. I promise i didn't plant her, okay. <laughs> Hope. Amen. You can expand a little bit if you'd like. Confidence. Confidence. Good. Anybody else? Freedom. Freedom. Freedom from fear and anxiety. Freedom from fear and anxiety. Amen. Anybody else? Forgiveness and cleansing. Amen. Thank you. His breath in my lungs. His breath in your lungs. Amen. Amen. Well, in light of what we've just heard, and I'm sure many other unspoken thoughts, just as that great company of the heavenly host of angels declared to the shepherds that night, can we all together say to him, glory, glory to God in the highest. Let's say that all together. Can we do that? Ready? One, two, three. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. Amen. The angels declared, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace, peace, peace to those on whom his favor rests. God in the coming of Jesus Christ makes peace with all mankind. I mean, again, apart from God taking the initiative to love us like that, we were in major trouble, major trouble. The Apostle Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 where he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the glory of God being the majesty of his holy person, his holy presence. See, a- apart from Christ, because of our sin, we were completely cut off from being able to, any possibility of having a relationship with a holy God, either in this life or much less in eternity. Paul explains the problem a little bit more in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. Death meaning not only eternal separation from God after we die, but separation from Him in this life as well unable to experience the fullness that God intends for us to have in any aspect of our life and relationships. Without a personal relationship with God through Christ, without being reconciled to God, there is no peace. There is no peace with God. There will always be something missing in life. What the ancient philosopher Pascal described as a a, a God-shaped vacuum in every human heart that can only be filled, an emptiness that can only be filled by Him. But the second part of Romans 6.23 explains how that emptiness becomes fullness instead. How reconciliation with God takes place. How peace is made. 6.23b, but the gift, but, it's one of those huge buts in God's Word, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what the angels celebrated with the shepherds that night. The gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, God announced his peace treaty with the world that night. And the terms of that peace is the gift of a Savior who would ultimately lay down his life upon the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And what do you have to do in order to make that gift yours? Or what do you have to do to make any gift yours? If I said I want to give you this Bible as a gift... What do you have to do in order to make it yours? I mean, do you have to go do a thousand volunteer hours of community service? You have to go out and clean the church lawn, you know, memorize all the books of the Bible. What do you have to do? You just simply have to accept it, to receive it. That's how we receive the gift of God's Son. We just simply receive Him. We accept Him. The angels declared. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Whom does God favor? He favors those who embrace this truth and receive the gift of his Son, Jesus Christ, as his Savior. savior. Peace to those. Peace with God. Peace from our past. Peace in our presence. Peace for the future. And because God has made peace with us through Christ, we then now have the opportunity, the freedom to enjoy peace, not only vertically with Him, but horizontally with all others as well. You can be a peacemaker in every sense of the world because God also blesses you with this peace in order that you might share it with others also. 2 Corinthians five nineteen. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. See, we now have this amazing privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the message of reconciliation with a broken world. And the next verse, verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. He's saying God is making his appeal through us. Well, what do ambassadors do? You know what they do. U.S. ambassadors represent the president and our government to foreign nations and communities. I I, uh, had the privilege of officiating a wedding a while back, and at the rehearsal dinner sat next to a couple who were relatives of the bride. Well, as it turned out, both of them work, had, been work, had worked for the State Department for about 25 years and were currently serving as, in essence, assistant ambassadors in Iraq. Now, you can imagine what a fascinating conversation that was. But you know what struck me the most about that talk? Was the humble gratitude and awe, and awe, That they had about the opportunity, the privilege that they had of being ambassadors for our country. Friends, we get to represent someone a lot more important than just the President of the United States. We get to represent the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. We have been given the privilege to be Christ's ambassadors and to bring his good news to others. And to whom have we been assigned as ambassadors? It's not some foreign country you've never heard of before. We've been assigned to our circles of influence in our lives. Again, what I mean by circles of influence, the, 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 first, the closest circle to you would, would be your immediate family, and then your relatives, and then your friends, your neighbors, coworkers, acquaintances. That is to whom we have been assigned as ambassadors for Christ. In other words, we get to take up the same work of the angels to the shepherds, ambassadors for Christ. So let me just simply close with this word of encouragement. Let's be in awe about that. Let's be grateful. Let's be in awe to be ambassadors for Christ, to bringing the peace of Christ to those who so desperately need it in our world. Let me pray. As I close in prayer this morning, I want to invite any of those of you who are listening online or or even in this room who would like to share a, a decision with us this morning, a decision to join our church, a decision to perhaps recommit your life to Christ, to follow Him in baptism. It could be any number of ways that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. Those of you that are watching online, you can simply share that decision with us by once again sending a text to 97,000. Just one word S H B C next. S H B C next. Father, we thank you for this awesome, awesome privilege that we have to be ambassadors of your peace of your gift of peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you in his name. Amen.